Welcome to episode two of the ISO podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Duru, and on today's episode, we had Verisport and GB International are bothering Gabe Oleseni. We discussed his career from being snubbed by Barkinabi as a junior to playing at Iowa in the Big Ten, playing for the Miami Heat in the NBA Summer League, and his experiences playing professionally across Europe. We touched on his international career and had a really good discussion on what he thinks GB needs to compete with Europe's elite. Me and Abadun have known each other for a while, so it was great to have him on. He's a really smart, interesting lad who has had a great career to date um, and been a stellar part of the GB men's team for the last few years. It was a really insightful and entertaining conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. And as always, don't forget to like, subscribe and comment on the YouTube page. Here it is. Brodin, man, how you doing? I'm good, man. Just chilling. Just uh, obviously trying to listen to the experts, stay indoors as much as I can. Just the, just the usual stuff. Yeah, yeah. How's the how's the lockdown then in Turkey? Uh, it's not too bad. Uh, obviously, trying to stay in shape is the is the main thing. But besides that, just chilling with my girl. Just uh, video games, movies, board games. So it hasn't been too bad. But obviously, I want to be outside, out and about. Yeah, no. Don't we all, man? Don't we all? Over here, they're giving us one hour a day to do exercise, like, but um, less and less people are keeping to the rules, so, like, everybody's everybody's just trying to, you know, get out as much as possible, and and um, even we had a lot of good weather, and everybody was out in the park, like, in groups and stuff, which which really, you know, is dangerous for them, for the most part, but, um, but yeah. Um, thank you for coming on today. Um, Let's start with this season. Um, so obviously you spent the season in Turkey. Um, how do you feel your season yeah. went? Uh, it was a good season. Uh, individually, I think I I did a good job. Uh, one of the league leaders in like offensive rebounds, field goal percentage, uh, efficiency. So I mean that's really what I pride myself on. Uh, just trying to be efficient, trying to help the team win. Yeah. But, uh, as, from a team's perspective, I think we're. I mean, the season got suspended a couple of weeks ago. I think we're like tied for eighth right now. So like, well, I think we're eight, nine, or ten. So yeah, we're in a we're in a good spot. So the goal for the season was to make the playoffs. So if the season does come back, I think we'll be able to achieve that. But it's still mm. up in the air, you know. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And your team was newly promoted, right? Um, into the first division in Turkey. Yeah. So uh, obviously we have that underdog mindset uh, from the beginning. Uh, last year they were in the second division. This is the first year in the first division. So I mean, we just had a we had a good group of guys. Uh, just a bunch of just a bunch of hungry guys, really, which is what I think what you need. So I think we shocked a lot of people. Yeah. Um, other 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 teams in our league who moved up. I think they're they're looking to move down, and we're one of the ones that are trying to uh, stay in the top eight. Hopefully they get some sort of a European competition next year because that's how it works, you know. Like I think the top eight teams are able to play in international competitions, so right. uh, we just wanted to make that happen for them. And obviously making the playoffs from the second division will be a will be a, a huge success. So disappointed that the season is suspended, but if it can come back, I think we'll be able to achieve those goals. Yeah, I think um, I think I read that Turkey was like one of the last countries to shut off its season. Um, is that is that true? And what was the word around you know cutting, shutting down due to the like the coronavirus and stuff? Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, I know a lot of people who played in different countries. So we saw stuff like uh, in China it was getting pretty bad, and then uh, close to countries like Spain and Italy. So I think we knew it was only a matter of time. But I think our last few games we started to play uh, games uh, without fans, 
Right. And then our last game of the season, I think we played in Istanbul, and they said it may get suspended, and then it ended up being suspended. So um, it was kind of always in the back of our mind, obviously. Uh, when you're on the court, you don't really think about it, but in no. everyday life, you, people are wearing masks, people are wearing gloves, so it's kind of scary, but you just try and focus on the task at hand, really. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've seen um, the recent news in the NBA that they're thinking of bringing the allowing the practice facilities to open but players have to wear like play, um, face masks and stuff like what do you, what do you yeah. think of that if they introduce that in Turkey would you want to train in a face mask uh, I don't know I think it'd be weird but honestly I just want to get back on the court so yeah. uh, I think if everything's if everything's safe uh, uh, the curve is flattened I think if, if all the guidelines are there obviously I want to play basketball but everything everything else is a bit more important you know so yeah no. we'll see what happens because they, yeah. they were meant to announce uh, whether the league was going to continue or be suspended or cancelled I think yesterday on the 30th so and they just announced yesterday there's going to be a few more days so just yeah. waiting to see what the word is really yeah no I mean it makes sense man like, as much as you know we love to play love basketball and stuff like you know what I mean it's the, the the health of the public is the most important thing especially like the you know the elderly and the vulnerable but but yeah, um, let's start from the beginning. So, um, so you and me go way, uh, go quite way back um, to the the days at Forest Gate. You know, in the summers. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a distant memory now. Like um, those sessions in the in the youth club with uh, with Mike Sperenza. Um yeah. But yeah, so um, you kind of when did you start playing basketball and um, how did you get into it? Man, I don't even know, to be honest. I think I was around 12 or 13. I just started playing in the playground one day. Like, obviously, everyone in England, they play football, so they put me on goal, obviously. <laughs> I, I tried to do a little bit of track and stuff like that. But yeah. I don't know. I think one day I just saw some guys just shooting hook shots, and I was like, this looks this looks fun. And then kind of my whole school just took on basketball, really. Uh, I, was always, I was always tall. I think I was like 6'4", or like 16, so... Ended up growing. Uh, luckily, I don't want to be like a six four <laughs> center. I would have been pissed. <laughs> yeah, it just it just worked out well, really. Uh, good environment. People people obviously made fun of you for playing basketball, but it wasn't it wasn't really serious. It was more banter, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad I stuck with it. Uh, but I didn't really start. I didn't start taking it seriously until I'll say like the age of fourteen, like taking time out of my day, not just like playing five on five, shooting dumb shots, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you ended up um, your final year in um, in England. You played at Uxbridge College. Yeah. In the in the under eighteen national league. Um, yeah. And you started the season at Westminster Warriors. Uh, what made you make the move? Uh, I man, there's just so many uh, talented guys there. Not that it wasn't talented guys at Uxbridge, but I just knew I'd be able to develop a bit more. You know, I think uh, I, I think at Westminster they had Ryan Lyon me, uh, Eliandro, so just like the most talented bigs in England, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that, at that time, like yeah. the German bigs, you know, that could play in the post, that could do a lot of different things. So yeah. I think I just wanted, not, not not necessarily my own team, but just my own opportunity to shine, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think I was more comfortable with uh, Mike Speranza at the time, so it just made sense. But I went over there for a couple of sessions, it was good, it was intense. Yeah. But I just think I wanted, I wanted a little more a little more uh, not even exposure because it's England you know you don't really get in 
a lot of exposure like he would in the states, but it's just more like let me let me go let me go with the guys I'm comfortable with, the guys who I know are gonna put me in positions to be successful. So I think it was a good choice. Yeah, and I think it's a very important like it's a very important <laughs> lesson. You know what I mean? Like a lot of guys will see you know all the names on one team and think you know what I wanna I wanna win a championship with these lot and sort of jeopardize their development for the for in a sense short term success. So yeah, I think exactly. um yeah I think it's a it's an important message like to young players like it's not always the you know I mean go to the team with all the players on it sometimes you got to be the the standout maybe not surrounded by so much talent but at the end of the day you know you you trusted in your coach you knew that for you for your development that that was the most important thing. Yeah exactly. Uh, so like uh I think around that time I really started to like research history of the NBA. Yeah. When I was around like 16 and I remember I was watching uh, this TNT show and I think Charles Barkley was talking, and he was like, I think, I don't know, I can't remember what prospect they were talking about, but he was like, everyone kept on saying, oh, he can really run and jump, he's a good athlete. And I was like, okay, this this guy sounds like me. But then the, <laughs> next, the next segment was just like, he was just like, basically, like, just like, shutting the guy down, like, anyone can run and jump, like, animals can run and jump, you're just basically a deer. And I was like, oh shit, like, all I can do right now is... <laughs> run and jump like I wasn't really working on my game so yeah. I think if I went to Westminster I would have I would have uh, obviously been surrounded by talent I think we would have won the whole thing but I think those just those first couple of years are all about development you know yeah no no yeah. true true <laughs> A lot of guys that can run and jump out there, you know, and, and they end up being just guys who can run and jump. <laughs> we see that a lot in it in England. Like it's true, it's true. Like obviously, I don't. Know, I think I, I swear I've just been surrounded by good people as well because I always have these quotes in my mind. Like, mm. uh, like obviously it doesn't matter how big and strong you are, you're always gonna go up against someone more athletic. So you have to have the other things. Like in the leagues I played, I don't think I've been the most athletic big in the league ever, you know. But I'm, I'm still able to to do my thing just just by learning different things like footwork shot fakes mm. and not to go off not to go off tangent but I remember I was playing in France and that league is just full of Africans bro like, <laughs> <laughs> like, to, like yeah. to, like, stereotypical but it was mad like you yeah, guards yeah. like 5-10 guards windmilling and stuff like that I'm like okay yeah. I can run and jump but let me just let me just really work on my shot fake step throughs let me just because it gets to a certain point where you're not going to be the biggest and strongest, so you have to have the other aspects of the game. So I'm yeah. just glad from an early age I was able to uh, develop some things. I'm not saying I'm Elijah one, you know what I'm saying, but yeah. just being able to have that, the, those couple of differences, those couple of different moves has helped me out a lot. Yeah, no no doubt, no doubt. So um, you end up going to Sunrise Christian Academy um, in the yeah. States. Um, how did that move come about and um, how was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. Obviously, everyone wants to go to the States uh, at whatever level, and I was lucky enough to. Uh, I can't really... I think it, was, it must have been Mike Sparenza, because he was... He helped me out a lot uh, back in the day, because I went to Monarchs, and that was really good. Obviously, everyone knows the story. Well, not everyone knows the story, but Mark and Abby didn't want me. I was so pissed, bro. I yeah. remember, like, it was one of the last days of secondary school. I went to Leonstone. I don't know if you heard of it. But like I was the I was one of the main guys at basketball in the school, and I just remember walking into the gym, mm. and everyone was like, "Oh, how did it go?" And I was like, "Yeah, it went well, went well." Like my workout. But see, back then I was like, like imagine like Chris Bosh, yeah, like yeah, ten, yeah. ten inches short. So I was like six three, dreadlocks, skinny as fuck. So obviously they they probably didn't think I'll be a a post player, right? But uh, yeah, 
they didn't want me but the funny thing is you know uh, Lloyd Gardner he's yeah, yeah. one of the GB assistants so every time I see him I was like you can add me and he's like yeah we <laughs> fucked up so I, can't, I always give him shit about that uh, <laughs> going back to your going back to your your uh, question it was just a good experience uh, my experience that helped get me there uh, we had a, we had a lot of good guys on my team um, we had Buddy Hield who went to Oklahoma Buddy Hield was on your uh, team yeah, Buddy Hill was on my team. Oh, he really? Was, I was a senior. He was a junior. So. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he, obviously, everyone knows his story. Um, yeah, yeah. Contender. We had a real, we have a lot of really good players. So it was the it was the first year of like the international program. So I mean, right. we all stayed in the house. We all stayed in the house on campus. Uh, Nigerians, Slovenians, French guys, obviously me. Yeah. And we used to call it uh, IHOP, the International House of Pain. What a name! Yeah, yeah. It was madness over there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good time and obviously I was lucky enough to get recruited to Iowa I had a couple other teams uh, come at me late mm-hmm. but uh, they were the first ones to to really uh, believe in me you know so I think it was an easy choice to go there yeah going on uh, what you said you end up committing to Iowa playing there for four years um, what was that experience like you know playing in, in a, a power conference um, in the States oh it was good man uh, I think every day was just like inspirational because we obviously we had a lot of good guys on my team. Uh, I think the main thing is just the coaching staff. Uh, they never gave up on me. Uh, they always believed in me, uh, and I speak to them still to this day. So that was just uh, it was a great, great experience. Uh, yeah, just every every year playing against just talented guys really. Uh, Draymond Green, Jared Salinger, Cody Zeller, Oladipo. Just seeing all these guys just develop over the years and just knowing that you could have the same development if you put in the work, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, I mean, every game, every game was against prospects, international prospects, so it was good just keeping you on your toes, you know? And obviously I didn't I didn't start until, I think my last, yeah, I didn't start until my last year, yeah. senior night, so I always kind of had that chip on my shoulder where I ended up winning uh, the sixth man of the year, which is something I, which is something that I, that's probably what I'm proud of. Uh, during college so yeah. I think it was a good experience obviously everyone wants to play more everyone wants to be the man but I think just the story of my career is just buying into your role you know like, yeah. a lot of guys a lot of times during practice people are like oh you can you can actually shoot freeze a little bit I'm like yeah he's like why don't we shoot it I'm like I don't really get paid to shoot threes you know like <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do what they want me to do consistently and then once I start doing that then they'll give me a little more leeway to shoot the little mid range and Mm-hmm. I don't know. I see myself as more of a point center. All these coaches are holding me back, but. Think, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. They need to free you, man. They need to free you. They need I'm, to. I'm, well, I'm trying to tell you. I'm listen. Tell you. One day, just get it off the rib, and when the point guard puts his hand out, and says, "Yo, pass the ball," wave him off, man. Push it down yourself, you know, man. <laughs> I, think, I think the only way that's possible is if we're up thirty at home. Like yeah. Left. <laughs> yeah. The last thing you want to do is do that and turn that shit over, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to be on international check. Nah. <laughs> but yeah, um, what was it like living in Iowa? Because like, it's not, um, you know, it's not one of like the big, the big states uh, of America. You know, I think it's like, yeah. like obviously middle America. Um, and, you know, as someone, as a person of colour, you know, you kind of hear a lot of stuff about that sort of side of America. But having lived there, like, what was your experience like living in Iowa? I mean... Uh... Because I went to I went to Sunrise Christian in in Kansas, so right. I was kind of used to the Midwest, you know. Obviously, okay. it was cold. And the weird thing is, it was it was cool. It was really cool, but at the same time, 
I'm not a typical African American, you know. Like people see me, they know I probably play basketball, so they're not going to treat me the same as everyone else. Or right, treat right. Me better than someone else. So I had a good experience, but I can't say that's everyone's experience, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, obviously, people deal with different things, and I just think my I was blessed. That I'm blessed enough to to be able to play basketball. So my perspective on life isn't the isn't the most uh, typical, you know. Yeah. People 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 could treat me a little differently because they know who I am or they could treat me like good or bad they I'm, I, I stand out you know so but for the most part it was it was a good experience never really dealt with dealt with anything uh, too crazy uh, yeah no really bad experiences in terms of racism but I mean it was a good it was a good it was a good time uh, four years obviously during during the four years it, it felt like an it's but looking back it was just like a blip in time you know yeah. I feel as though I was just a freshman getting to know everyone and then before you know I was graduating and trying to become a pro so yeah. I mean it was a good experience uh, obviously basketball was very important but educational wise I got my I got my degrees which was very important Yeah. so yeah I think for the most part it was a, it was a good experience just just building those connections uh, building mm. those relationships and obviously I, st- I still speak to all those guys today so yeah, I think it was a good it was a good experience. Cool. So, um, so yeah, so you graduate from uh, the University of Iowa and you end up playing uh, in the NBA Summer League um, for the Miami Heat. Talk to yeah. me about that. Like, how did that come about and what was that experience like? Yeah, it was a good, ex- it was a really good experience. Uh, obviously, after, after you, gra- after I graduated or before, I don't know where, I don't know, I can't remember how I worked, but I went, I signed with the agency then I went straight into uh, pre-job workouts uh, I think I had like 20 workouts uh, with different teams, which was obviously a great experience just traveling the country, playing basketball. And then uh, I think I had my best workout with Miami, uh, but they ended up selecting someone else in the second round. And then right. they called my agent and they were like, uh, they want me for their summer league team. So I was like, let's do it, you know? And then um, I think I think for the first, because uh, a few years ago they used to do Orlando and Vegas. Yeah. And some teams played one, and some teams played the other. But we ended up playing both that year. So oh, right. there was a guy in front of there was a guy in front of me called Willie Reed. Yeah, uh, he was killing it. He was killing it. He was a couple years older than, than most of the guys, but he ended up getting signed by the Brooklyn Nets out oh. of the Orlando Summer League. So mm. I was actually uh, I wasn't expecting it, but then I then I started like the last I think five or so games in Vegas. And the thing about summer league is, I think you just have to have a good point guard because everyone can everyone can poop, you know, at that level. Yeah. But you just need someone who's going to pass you the ball. And I had uh, Shabazz Napier. Oh yeah. Right. And it was around the time where he was with the Heat. I think, uh, I think he had a guarantee like three or four years. And he just told me, like before every game or before every practice, like if you run, if you open, I'm gonna throw it. Like I don't need to, like hog the ball. So I was just like, okay, shit. Let me just, let me just do my game. You know, I'm not really a guy who needs the ball in their hands to score. Like if I get it. Mm. I'm, gonna, I'm obviously going to do my thing, but I don't really need the ball to be effective. And then I had a couple of good games, and then I think yeah, they they offered me a uh, a training camp deal, but I think I think they already had their roster set, so I would have had to go to the G League for a year, and, and their G League team was in South Dakota, Ooh. so I wasn't really back, yeah, I wasn't back to middle America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I didn't really <laughs> want to do that. I wanted to like be more of a, a pro you know so I yeah. think I just signed I signed my first deal yeah. after that but yeah Summer League was a good experience great experience um, how would you then compare like in terms of the standard um, 
of playing in uh, playing at the University of Iowa and then making the jump and playing in the summer league? How would you compare like the standard? Uh, I think just every level you jump up, there's just better athletes. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily just jumping high, but just the foot speed, the the versatility. So I think just everything went up a level. Um, it wasn't really too organized because obviously you've got like 15 guys from different parts of the world coming together right. for two weeks and having and having to put in plays and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I would say it's definitely a better level, but the execution wasn't as good because obviously in college you're with the same group of guys for yeah. X amount of years. So yeah, that's the bit, that's the main difference. Do you get do you get paid when you play in the summer league, or is it sort of like an expensive uh, think, thing? I think you get a hotel. I think they put us in hotels, and then we just get daily per diem. I think I, I'm not sure if, whether it was the same as NBA players. Right. It probably wasn't. I think it was like maybe like a. I can't remember what it was, but I remember I know someone telling me like NBA players get like four hundred dollars a day or something Jeez. on the road, and it yeah. wasn't that because I was trying to save, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to save the money, and I only did, I only end up going back with like a couple hundred yeah, yeah. dollars, and I felt like the man. So no, nah. yeah, it was. They do take care of you, but obviously you have to uh, find your own meals and stuff like that. So oh, living right. in Vegas, we we weren't eating the best. We were like going to McDonald's trying to save the money. <laughs> yeah. Just typical young young nigga shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I hear that, man. I hear that. Um, so yeah, so you end up signing in Germany with Bamberg, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk to me about that and um, playing in in Germany in the the, I mean they call it the BBL as well, the Bund- Bundesliga. Is that what it's? Yeah. Bundesliga basketball league or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, talk to me about that. Uh, it was a good experience. Obviously, it's my my first year as a pro. Uh, I wouldn't say it was really a culture shock, uh, but I wasn't I wasn't playing as much as I would I would like to uh, during my first year. So right. uh, I actually moved to another team in the BBO, uh, Gießen, which yep. was like I think two hours away. But that was a great experience. Obviously, uh, just playing a lot, getting the minutes, because at that point it's still about development, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've only been playing for like ten years at that point, so. Just, just it was just a good experience to get the reps in. Obviously, uh, playing in the first league of uh, one of the better leagues in Europe. Yep. It's always, it's always exciting, and every game we were, we were right there. I think we actually ended up finishing one point out of the playoffs or something crazy like that. So we were just right there. But right. Yeah, great group of guys, coaches that really believed in me. So yeah, my first year was, was a good experience for sure. Yeah, I think it's with Germany because I went to Germany when I was. Um, I think 17 on like a tour um, we were hosted yeah. by Alba Alba Berlin um, yeah, yeah. so they like they picked us up in their nice little Mercedes minibus um, we got to use their <laughs> practice facility um, and they gave us free tickets to watch their their uh, BBL team play in the Euro, in Euro Cup um, yeah. so it was a really I remember being um, obviously being 17 and, and really experiencing I think that was my first experience of like European basketball like seeing it um and like I never thought, you know, you hear about Spain, you hear about France, you hear about Russia, you hear about all these big countries, but Germany's league's legit. Like that felt like I was in the, it was I was at an NBA game. I think there was like fifteen, sixteen thousand people at the O um, two World. Um, I'm guessing if you played Alba, you would have played there. Uh, um, but yeah, it was. I think Germany's like it's a really, really good, great basketball country, um, and and not really talked about as such. You know, they've yeah. year on year they've got players going to the NBA. You know, you see like uh, what's the guy's name? 
um, from Dallas. Uh, I forget his name. Claber, uh, Claber, Cl- I think his name is. Yeah, Maxi Claber. Maxi Claber, yeah. yep. Um, Dennis Schroeder, you know, obviously Dirk. Yeah. You know, you've got they've got um, Daniel Tice uh, Tice from Boston. Yeah. Like they've got a just a history of just you know producing a lot of NBA players. Um, but yeah, no, that's interesting, man. That's interesting. Um, did you did you play against Alba? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, my last game of the season, we played at their place. Yeah. yeah. What was it? What was it like playing at the uh, O2 World? Was it? Was it crazy? Uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, it was the last games before the playoffs, so everyone was, everyone was uh, going a little, a little nuts, you know, in anticipation for that. But yeah, yeah, it was just a good experience. Obviously, you want to end the season with a win, but it was just playing in those atmospheres. You can't really leave anything on the floor, you know. So it was just, it was just a whole lot of fun. Yeah. So um, from Germany, uh, you ended up playing in France. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so what was that like? Uh, it was good. Uh, like I said, uh, there was just a lot of a lot of athletes, uh, a lot of versatility, mm. and just a more up and down game. You know, I think Germany was Germany's more slowed down, more yeah. uh, methodical, more uh, offensive sets and schemes and stuff like that. And, and France was just a lot like re- a lot more read and react, uh, mm. go out there and just try and score as much points as possible. So um, I think I adapted pretty well. Uh, my numbers were pretty good. Uh, yeah, it was just it was nice to see uh, just another 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 country, you know, another style of play, just to continue to develop. Yeah, do you feel like the, um, your the way you play, you suited um, France better or Germany better oh. in terms of like playing style? I'm not sure because Germany had a lot of uh, bruises, you know, like seven foot, like just humongous guys. Yeah, but with those guys, you just kind of have to use your quickness and just outrun them. Yeah, but in France, uh, I think guys are more similar to similar to me, more more uh, like the six ish five men that just uh, screen roll stuff like that. So I'll say probably more France, but I think I had success in both in both leagues. Yeah, mm. it's interesting. Um, and then you ended up going back to Germany and signing with um, Wolfsburg. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what was that like um, playing there? It was cool. It was from uh, my first coach in Germany. Uh, was actually the coach of Wurzburg, so he was talking to me right. during the previous season about uh, how he wanted me back. So I think it was a, I think it was an easy transition. Uh, he believed in me, uh, which is which is really what you want from a coach. So yeah, uh, we had a few conversations, and I just felt like it was the, it was the right decision in terms of having the opportunity to showcase what I can do and playing in a good league again. You know, so. Yeah, we just had that uh, that comfort level, and then you um, ended up um, playing in the FIBA Europe Cup, is that right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and did pretty well um, getting to the final. Um, what was what was it like playing in the FIBA Europe Cup, and how would you compare like the, I guess the level um, in comparison to the domestic league? Um, bringing up bad memories, man. Sorry, we ended up losing in the finals. Uh, Obviously, at the end, at the at that level, uh, or at that part of the tournament, it was more points. So I think we had to win by like seven or something, right. and we ended up losing by like I think like three. So it was it was pretty crushing, but it was a good league. Obviously, when you play an international competition, it's it's a little break from practice, but obviously it's another game. So yeah. kind of give and take uh, when it comes to that. But it's good. Um, just 
being able to travel with the guys, obviously going to different countries, mm. uh, staying in hotels, that camaraderie kind of builds up uh, mm-hmm. pretty quickly, you know, because it's kind of just, I love many guys shot like 15 guys, it's like you against the whole country, you know, type of thing. So right. uh, it's, it's always good in those environments. Um, in, in terms of the competition level, uh, some teams were good, uh, some teams weren't as good. But I think just uh, like in anything, like in any sport or anything in life, like the further you get to the finish, the the harder it gets. So we started right. playing better teams uh, when we got closer to like the playoffs. So yeah, it was definitely a great experience. Cool, cool. What do you think of this, the whole um, playing a two-legged final? Because I, I personally think it's crap. Mm, I don't know. Obviously, if we're on the winning side, like if you blow our team by 20 and then yeah. have to come and beat you by 21... It's, it's kind of pointless, you know. I'd rather do like a best of a best of three. Yeah, that'd be a lot. That'd be a lot better. Yeah, so I think that makes more sense. Or just do a one and done final on a neutral floor. I don't. I don't see the point of doing a because they do that in the BBL. They do the whole aggregate aggregated score, but then in the final, the final's always neutral, one and done. And having a two legged final kind of, I feel like it kills the kills the vibe a bit. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Because anything can happen in like one game, you know, a guy can get injured or I don't know, just weird circumstances can happen. So yeah. I, think it's, I think it's more fair to like be a best out of three or five. Because yeah. usually in those situations, the best team wins. You know, like anyone yeah. can be, anyone can like have a hot shoe in night like, once or twice, but yeah. to consistently beat someone three out of five or five out of seven, I think that's that's a lot more, a lot more fair. Yeah, no, definitely, man. I definitely. Um, I hope to see that change, man, because I don't know. It just it just feels a bit I don't know. Like it just doesn't doesn't really make sense having a two legged final. And I think in the Euroleague they do the final four where it's just one and done from the yeah. semi finals, maybe the quarterfinals, um, and also in like having it at one venue. I think it does one. It's good for the the city, the host city. Um, I guess you could argue, you know, from a financial standpoint, you know, playing a one leg here and one leg away it kind of helps both teams because obviously you'd, you'd lose that revenue you'd get from from um, from the game but then on the other hand it's like if one team batters one team in the first game what's the point of watching the second game do you see what I'm saying like you kind of yeah, exactly. yeah so but yeah well, like you said it, always, it just like anything it always comes down to money you know like both teams want exactly. that, that, uh, that ticket revenue that those sales from the home game so yeah hopefully it changes but if it comes down to stuff like that I don't think it'll change anytime soon no, no, I, I don't think so either, to be honest. But who knows, man? Who knows? You know, this coronavirus might um, might make these big federations change the way they do their business. You know, like, um, but yeah. Um, so going away from your, I guess, a professional career, let's talk about the international your international experience. Um, so you were quite late to the international scene. You you never played for GB junior team. Is that right? No, I didn't. I think I was at college during those years, so I kind of right. just wanted to do the whole development thing during the summer, you know? Yeah. Did you feel like you were overlooked, or were you, was it a case of you just, you know, you are focused on playing at Iowa, and that was your sole focus? I think a bit of both. Like, usually usually guys in England, I don't know what, what it is with us, but we always feel like we're underrated, we're the underdogs, you know? Yeah. I think it's just our mind. I think it's just our mindset, you know? So yeah. I, uh, I think I got cut from an under-18 team. Yeah, I did. I got cut from the under-18s, uh, England team. And, you know, everyone is, whenever they get cut from that, like, I'm not doing it again. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yep. Fuck this, yeah. So yeah. 
I think Ben, I think Ben Joe Prunty uh, reached out to me, and obviously he was a new coach I never had before. He's just like, uh, I could help the team. Uh, we have a good group of guys uh, going into like the, I think it was the qualifiers. I played in the first Eurobasi qualifier, so I was like, I mean, I might as well give it a chance, and then I ended up uh, playing well. Uh, we qualified, so yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think GB, GB's always had a good group of guys. Yeah. Uh, consistent guys so it's always it's always fun and I want to play with those with those guys yeah um, and then a very uh, quite recently you know you had the um, Eurobasket qualifier against Germany um, yeah really really good game you know I had practice that night so I had to keep on you know checking my phone checking my phone um, and it was really <laughs> good to see that you guys won um, yeah talk to me about that you know um, playing obviously having played in Germany playing against Germany um, what was the game like for you uh, it was good. Uh, I don't think I had my best statistical night, but I helped out where I could. Uh, guys like, I think, Ovi, uh, Mockford, Luke Nelson, Miles, those guys really stepped up. So it was it was a great win, much-needed win, uh, especially if we want to qualify for the, the next big tournament. But yeah, yeah. I knew a couple of those guys on the team, uh, on the German team. So obviously it's the banter back and forth, talking before the game. So yeah, it's always fun. It's always fun competing against guys, you know. Uh, obviously, you know, playing... Uh, playing against like some of the friends you grew up with, you always that always gives you the extra edge to try and beat them. So yeah, like I said, I'm just glad we got the win, uh, especially against them because I know I would have heard about it a, sh- a shit ton on Instagram after. <laughs> were they were they trash talking in German? <laughs> no, 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 they know I didn't pick up any German, but uh, some of the guys are just talking to me like catching up during the game. So all oh, right, uh, okay, uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was really fun. Yeah, yeah, no, it it looked like an awesome game, man, and I think. Um, I think uh, GB should hold more games in Newcastle. Um, I don't know what your experience is like. Uh, you know, playing up up there. Uh, I'm guessing that was the first time playing up in in Newcastle and um, getting. Yeah, that to was the first time, but it was a uh, it was crazy. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what day we played, but I know it wasn't like a Friday. I think it was like a Sunday or something. And it was still like packed. People going crazy. So yeah, yeah, definitely more games there. Obviously, uh, everyone wants to be in. Uh, in London because I think most of the team are closer to London but if yeah. the atmospheres are like they were in Newcastle where I could definitely see us playing playing games there again because those friends were were crazy I think I think they're usually like that as well because I remember I've watched a, I've watched a few BBL games this year on uh, YouTube and the fans are kind of crazy so yeah yeah, it was, good to, it was good to have that same atmosphere yeah no I mean I went to university there so um, I used to go to see the Eagles play um, every now and then because used to get free tickets and stuff um, but yeah, yeah no the those Geordie fans, they when they come out, they really come out like, and you know Newcastle sells out any any big fixture they have, they'll sell out. You know, um, I remember when I was up there, the when they used to play Leicester, like that game, you'd get like three thousand people at um, what used to be their home court, Sports Central, um, and like you'd get, you know, it's almost like a like a European football match like the way they swarm and swear at the other team and like they they really do get behind their um, their team you know and like you said I think it's a trade off and it's a tricky one for GB basketball because I don't think you're going to get that kind of atmosphere in London well you definitely won't get that kind of atmosphere in London and you won't get that kind of atmosphere in other teams but also you don't have you know you've got the copper box and you know from a financial standpoint that's an arena that holds what over like six, 7,000 people um, yeah. so whilst London has the potential I think that atmosphere in Newcastle I, I can't see you getting that anywhere else um, not just for GB just in general in basketball general like 
it's going to be very hard to compete with that. So like, and I'm sure as a player, it it helps, you know, if you feed you feed off of it, you know, the energy of the of the of those Geordies, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, they're they're like smart fans too, you know. They're not yeah. just uh, drunk idiots. Like they know what they know what's going on. They know what needs to happen. They yeah, yeah, yeah. What a defensive stop means. What a big score means. So yeah, like I said, just great atmosphere, but. I have to say, man, London. I think I played a couple box a few times. Yeah, and it was it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, you want to you want to play a little closer to home, so hopefully we can. I think in a, I think in one of our next windows, it's a home and home, so maybe we can do one in Newcastle, one in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that 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 would make a lot of sense. To be fair. So staying on the topic of GB, what do you think the GB team or setup is missing to in order to be able to compete with? <laughs> the European elites because um, obviously you've played in the team for years for the last few years and it seems like we're getting closer and closer yeah. to being you know a real force in Europe but it also seems like we're far away at times as well um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah I think it's kind of uh, kind of like you said uh, at some point there's some moments where we feel like we're right there like in the previous window but then there's other ones where we just have some bad losses. I think just consistency is the most important thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's so much talent in England, but I think if we just keep continue to keep bringing in the the same core group of guys, um, yeah. the same coaching staff, um, and just the same from top to bottom, because I'm not really sure the names or the positions, but like every time I look at Hooks Fix or Eng- England Basketball or anything like that, there's always someone replacing someone or just, just madness like that, you know. So I think... Just having just having consistency because you see on other European teams, uh, they may not be able to get their main NBA guys there, but their high level European talent always shows up. So yeah. I think we just have to have that consistency in that way. We're just hitting the ground running, you know. We're not we're not rehashing plays. We're not learning new defensive concepts. Um, so I think just the just the consistency from top to bottom, uh, the same guys showing up. Uh, mm. Yeah, and I think just accepting roles. I think that's what we've been able to do. Uh, like. Just guys understanding you're not necessarily gonna uh, have the same role you have at your club. Like you may get ten shots at your club, you may only get three shots here, but they're gonna be huge shots, and we need you to make them. You know, so I think just guys buying in, uh, which we've done these previous windows, guys buying in, uh, being consistent, and then uh, just playing for the team. Because a lot of times, uh, like when we used to have uh, camps in the summer. Uh, as it gets later and later in the summer, guys haven't been signed yet, you know, so they're kind of like, I need to play well to get signed, you know, yeah. for a European team or something like that. So they may not, they may not, uh, not not necessarily play selfishly, but not, not necessarily uh, play in the correct way that the team needs at that moment, you know, buying into roles. So I think with these windows, uh, guys are coming from situations where they're already established yeah. on a team in Europe, you know, yeah, um, yeah. with the February and November windows. So I think those three things just consistency from top to bottom uh, guys buying into their roles and uh, I think just playing for the for the team I think we're moving in the right direction yeah no no I agree um, just of what you said um, when I just from obviously as a spectator and, and from what I see um, it looks as though sometimes that chemistry seems to be a bit, a bit of an issue um, and I'm not sure if that's continuity or I'm not sure you know what you said about guys sort of playing for their next contract if that's sort of the pr- issue um, what do you, what do you, how do you feel the chemistry is um, within the team? Um, I think it's good. Uh, in terms of uh, chemistry off the court, everyone 
or just a group of lads, you know. There's always good banter among the guys. And then on the court, I think it's, I think we're just, we're a really good group of guys, so we don't want to step on each other's toes, you know. Yeah. So, like, I know, I know what to do in a certain situation, the other guys know, but because uh, we don't want to step on each other's toes or get in each, other, in each other's way, mm. by trying to, uh, it's weird to explain, like, by trying to avoid uh, mistakes, you make them more, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I think just just uh, thinking less and just understanding that we're all high level basketball players. We all understand the game. Yeah. Um, and we all just have to stick to the same message, you know. Uh, I think the coaching staff have done a really good job of uh, explaining what uh, each of us individually have to, individually have to do. And I think just if guys buy into that for what was it, ten days, we get results like we did last time. But at the same time, we just need to. It's weird, like if. Because there's five guys on the court. If three of us do one thing and two of us do another thing, we're gonna fuck up. But if we all, if we all fuck up together, then we can kind of make it work, you know. So yeah. Like, <laughs> in a weird way, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a weird way, you know how basketball works. If, yeah, yeah. If, 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 if one guy isn't on the same page, mm. it messes up the whole thing. But if we're all on the same page, even if we do mess up, we understand that why they messed up, and that we can the help rotation comes and stuff like that, you know. So I think just having one brain is just the main. I think it's the main thing that's stopping us from being one of those European uh, powerhouses, I think. Yeah, and I think the frustrating thing as well is like, you know, like like you said, the consistency uh, being a being a bit of a, an issue. Um, like I look at the makeup of the team and like, for example, um, if you remember, you know, Tarek Philip, um, great player. Yeah. You know, I played against him when I was in the States um, at prep school. Really, really good player. Watching him with the GB team, you know, knowing how good he was, I was kind of surprised, like, why he didn't play more when I first saw him, he was in the team. And then I kind of thought, hmm, does he mesh well with the team? You know, I, I don't know. Um, and, and like, I say I say him, obviously, because he's, he's really good, but I think there's that balance, you know, between getting the, the most talented guys and also getting the guys that fit together. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think, I, I personally feel like that's part of GB's problem. It's like, you know, this... There's a there's a lot of talent, but you know it's a jigsaw at the end of the day. It's like you got to get the right guys who play well together and the guys who are talented. Do you know what I mean? It's, but yeah, I don't, I don't know yeah. what you think about that. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of a weird player. Like I can play with anyone, you know. Yeah. So I'm not really I'm not really I'm not really uh, focused on the roster. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of uh, Tariq, I played against him this year. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we could have we could use talent like that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there may be different circumstances why you couldn't. Uh, why he couldn't commit because he does play he does play in a higher uh, higher level in Europe he plays yeah. in the Euro Cup so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that may have time to do with it but in terms of in terms of the talent and uh, the uh, the compatibility of players I, I I just really leave that up to the coaching staff you know obviously yeah, yeah. they know the game they know what they know what uh, situation they want players to be in yeah. so I think it just comes down to them because the, at the end of the day I'm not trying to be a GM you know I'm just trying to be <laughs> a player yeah, I'm, yeah, trying yeah. To, I'm just trying to be out there with I'm just trying to be out, the, out there with uh, four guys who are going to be able to get a W. So yeah, I think um, I think the coaching staff for the most part have done a good job uh, selecting talent. Uh, but at the end, but at the same time, it comes down to the players just going out there and just getting the job done. You know, because yeah. if we if we would have won uh, some of these close games, I don't think a lot of these questions would have come up in our community. You know, whether yeah. the talent fits together and stuff like that. Yeah, at yeah. the end of the day. At the end of the day, winning solves everything, you know. So that's facts, man. If, if we would have won uh, these games, people wouldn't, people wouldn't really be talking about does does uh, Gabriel fit with 
Luke, does Teddy fit with Ben Moxford, you know? Yeah. It's just like, okay, these guys got the fucking job done. Let's go to the next window and try and do the same thing, you know? Yeah, no, no, you're right, man. I agree, I agree. Um, like you said, like winning solves everything. Um, but yeah, I definitely think, you know, the, the future is definitely bright for GB. Um, not just with the current guys, but, you know, the guys coming through, you know, you've got guys like Cameron, Hildreth, you've got, you know, a few other the young guys who are who are coming into the, the setup um, at the junior level um, and will be playing at the senior level, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. In terms of your plans for the future and, like, post-playing, um, do you ever think about that? And, like, what's your what's your thoughts? Man, um, I mean, I do, but at the same time, I'm trying to, trying to focus on the task at hand. But anytime I have free time, I always, like, jot stuff down, like, uh, ideas or stuff I want to do. Obviously, I went to school for... Uh, literature and journalism so I have an interest in like writing stories uh, yeah but I just I just need to focus my ideas on whether I want to go into like writing or some sort of audio I don't know I'm just I'm at the point where I'm lucky enough to have free time I'm yeah. lucky enough to to be able to have uh, just stuff pop in my head that I think I could do but definitely something to do with writing whether it's uh children's books uh, novels I don't know I'm just uh, very interested in writing I've kind of gotten away with it gotten away from it these past few years uh, but that's something I definitely want to want to focus on other yeah. other revenues of income you know that's yeah. the that's the main phrase of 2020 <laughs> <laughs> multiple streams of income you know yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the phrase right there yeah no I mean that's that's great man that's great I think um, yeah I think as a as a basketball player you know someone who's had a really really unique career I think you would have a lot of stories to tell you know what I mean and um, you know it's platforms like this like I, I hate reading and I hate writing you know what I mean but I love talking you know what I mean <laughs> you know what I mean anybody that knows me I'm a chatterbox you know what I mean I could talk for, for hours but I think having that sort of medium that outlet to kind of you know express yourself and to document your, your, your life and the stuff you're interested in I think is important um, and also it lets people get to know you know you other than just the guy who gets a double double every every outing do you know what I'm saying um, <laughs> and like building your personal brand um, which is something um, I had an episode uh, with uh, Temi Temi Fag Benley okay and we spoke a lot about you know like your like personal brands of like basketball players in the UK and how I feel like there's a disconnect you know between the fans and the players do you know what I'm saying I feel like we all know you know you know how good you are on the court. You know we know where you're playing. You know we can go on Eurobasket and find out what you did your last your last game. But it's like, for example, if you were to write a book and put a book out, you know what I mean. You're gonna have to, you know, market that book, push that book out to to your fans, to people who know you, and like that's that's all part of you know, not just being an athlete, but being more than an athlete, being a business. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. Jeff, social medias that you want to plug for people who want to, who might want to follow you. Oh man, I'm actually I'm kind of boring on social media, but uh, <laughs> both Twitter and Instagram, AG Olashani. Uh, yeah, that's both my handle for Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, follow me if you want some inspirational quotes, black and white pictures. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so a few of those, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, uh, thanks again for coming on, um, and yeah, all the best for your career. Stay safe. Uh, first and foremost don't go out if you don't need to (laughs) yes sir but yeah man thanks for coming on no worries bro